may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I want to read it in a couple other translations. If you're following on your uh, devices, you'll see these translations in there, and you can follow along. And the Amplified says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who who goes into training conducts himself temperately, and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But like a boxer I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it. For fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, rejected as a counterfeit. I want to read in one more uh, translation, and that is, uh, well, I thought I had it in here, but we're going to uh, read it also in the message. If I can get it pulled up here. I want to read it in the message translation as well. Now, here's what it says in the message. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're you're after the one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. So what are we looking at? We're looking at a life of the believer that Paul is showing that there's some discipline that takes place. Just like an athlete, we are all trying to obtain something. Uh, We have to let things go in our lives, and we have to add things to our lives to help us what? Win the race. That's the goal, is to win the race. Now, you know, this is a little contrary to um, our generation. Our generation today, uh, you know, I, I was hearing one pastor talk about he was putting his sons in Little League, Little League Baseball. And, um, you know, his sons were out there playing, and he, he was on the sidelines really cheering hard for his son's team and, you know, for his kids to, to win. And the coach came over and said, hey, you, you need to settle down a little bit. I mean, they're not, we're not even keeping score here. And he was like, what? <laughs> he, he said, what, what are we doing this? Why are we here? We're not even keeping score. But we're in a generation today that we do things just to participate And there's no real goal in the end. I mean, this is what our kids are doing. I know uh, even here in this town that up to a certain age, uh, they don't even keep score. 
Now I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to build the team side and, you know, everybody plays and, you know, you just, you, you get rewarded regardless of if you win or not. And this doesn't work for the believer because as believers, we're in this thing to win, not just to participate. And here's the issue Uh, The reason why I believe a lot of believers don't live disciplined lives is because we've made salvation the goal. That's the goal. That is the end all. If I get saved, there's nothing beyond that until Jesus comes and takes me to heaven. And this has mistakenly led to very deceptive lives for a lot of believers. And so this that Paul is talking about, a lot of Christians don't know about. But there is a life of discipline. There are things that we need to cut out of our lives. Uh, There are things that we need to add to our lives and do on a regular basis and and make a habit of in our lifestyle. Um, uh, You know, just the simple things, going to church, reading your Bible on a regular basis, uh, praying to God. I mean, I I heard the other day, um, you know, we... We've always been real strong about people reading the Bible and doing the daily Bible reading plan. And the whole reason we even have a daily Bible reading plan is so you develop a habitual lifestyle of reading the Word. And so I, was, uh, I heard this story about this one guy, and they had to do a, a Bible reading plan for a, a Bible program. He was in a Bible school. And they had to read through the whole Bible within like eight or nine months. I mean, I've read the Bible in 12 months, but to, yeah, you really got to ramp it up to do eight or nine months and read the whole thing. And so supposedly this guy did it, and then we got to the summer, and this guy wasn't doing it anymore. This guy hadn't, and he thought that since he had finished it in the eight or nine months that there wasn't. Look, the Bible is not a book that we just read to get some knowledge in or to say, hey, I read it. That's what we did in school. Or if you were like me in high school, you didn't even read the book. You went and got the cliff notes and just got the the short version of it. We didn't even read the whole thing. But all it was was to say, I read it. All it was was to get the knowledge. Whatever the fastest way was to get the knowledge in my brain of what I just read so I could pass the test on Friday, that's all I needed. What's the fastest way? Can I get on the Internet and get it? Can, Can someone, hey, right before class, you want to tell me what the chapters were about that we had to read? Anybody else in here done that besides me? That was me in high school. I didn't read a lot of books. But that's what this one guy did, and then we, got, we get to the summer, and, and here's the thing that kind, of, that kind of gives you away in one sense and gave him away and is, is making me question, did you even read your Bible? Because here's the thing about the Bible. The more you read of it, the more you want to read of it. See, the whole point of reading your Bible and taking a Bible reading plan and reading that on a daily basis is so that you will want to develop a habitual lifestyle of reading the Word of God. Not just so you can check off some squares every day and say, this is what I did, and then look back over the last 12 months and say, hey, I read the Bible in a year. That doesn't do you anything. It's about developing that. And I have found that from doing a daily Bible reading plan, that I want to read more and more of it every day. That's the, that's the least amount of Bible reading that anybody should do within a 12-month period. Period. 
that's not all that I do. I don't just get up in the morning or at some time in the day pull out my daily Bible reading plan. But it always wasn't like that. I had to develop that. I had to develop getting in the Word daily uh, where I had check marks and I had exact passages to read. But then I found myself wanting to read more. I found myself wanting to get back in the Bible later on in the day or you know, going and reading other passages or just wanting to study stuff out. It wasn't just about checking squares off anymore. It was about developing a lifestyle. So what am I trying to say? We're talking about the champion. And within all of us, there is a champion. But there's something that we can learn from athletes and athletics. And the Olympics show us this. And a lot of Christians don't live their lifestyles the way athletes live theirs. Uh, let me just tell you real quick about what some of these athletes do. Uh, we already heard about the things that they sacrifice and the things that they put down. The latest book that's come out, I haven't even had a chance to touch it. Take a day off, I haven't even taken a morning off. Let's not even talk about a day. I haven't even taken a morning off. This is all that I've done. This is all that they're doing. Why? Because they're trying to obtain a prize. They're trying to obtain the gold, the wreath in the end, the medal around their neck, the reward or the award that comes, standing up on the block in front of everybody. There's a goal in mind that they have. And Paul says that my life is as if I am an athlete running for a prize. I'm not trying this thing out. I'm not just trying to participate. See, there's no uh, uh, Olympic gymnast or swimmer or uh, basketball player or or soccer player, or anybody right now who's playing the Olympics that's just in it to participate. I can promise you right now, there's not one you could go up to and say, ah, you know, I just wanted to kind of feel it out. See, you know, I just want to try it out, see how this... You know, I've done all this training and all this hard work. I've sacrificed time with my friends. I've gotten up early in the morning. I've gone to bed late at night. I haven't been going out on the weekends. I've been eating uh, uh, foods that I don't like, and I've been putting putting down things that I do like. Just for the experience. No, every single one that you go to is there because they want one thing. And they don't want bronze and they don't want silver. They don't want third place or second place. They want first place. And that's the only thing that will satisfy. And if they don't get first place, they are not satisfied. They don't walk away and say, well, you know, at least I tried. What are they going to do? They're going to get back on the horse And in four years, they're going to try again. Every single one of them do. Why? Because there's a thirst and a passion for a goal at the end of the line. Well, if we just get saved and and salvation is our goal, and we don't realize that we are running a race daily, then there will be no disciplined life. Because what is staring at that runner every time he's offered a piece of cheesecake? Every time he has a chance to to eat a really fatty meal, every time he has a chance to sleep in in the morning, every time he has the opportunity to go and party it with his friends till 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning, what is staring him in the face? The medal, the prize, the goal in the end. And we have a goal and we have a prize. But since we've mistaken it for salvation, we think, I've already gotten the prize, so now I can slouch off. But the key is is that salvation is only the beginning. The key is that salvation is the beginning. Now, 
title of my message tonight is Winning Starts with Losing. Winning begins with losing. If you want to win in life, there are some things you're going to have to let go of in life. And when we, get in, when we get saved, we are starting a journey. We're not finishing it. We're, this isn't the end of the thing. This is the beginning of the thing. Now we have been uh, entered into the contest, and how we live our life out from this point determines if we get the prize in the end. And there is a prize. There is a prize to obtain. So we have to let go of some things because what we're trying to obtain is not worth what we want to hang on to. The prize in the end is not worth your addiction to, to, to things in life that are going to hold you back. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. The writer who most people believe is Paul. He says this in verse 1, Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So first of all, notice this is all uh, talking about now. This isn't past tense. This is now, the race that we're running is now. Then he notes that there are things that can actually slow you down or keep you from obtaining the prize. Now, here's the thing. He he mentions two things. There are weights and there are sins. Weights are not sins, but sins are weights. See, there are things in my life that may not be a weight in your life. And there are things in your life that may not be a weight in my life. That's why he says, run your race in 1 Corinthians 9. Let us each run our race. You can't run my race. There are things that I, that I have to put down. There are things that I have to go without. There are things that I have to put on me that may, be, that may not be something you need to put on or let go of in your life. It's, I'm not running your race. You're not running my race. But here's the thing about weights and sins. Weights will slow you down. Weights will slow you down. Sins will stop you. Sins will keep you from obtaining that prize altogether. Weights will keep you from being in first place. Let me say that again. Weights will slow you down. There are things in our lives that although we're able to run and although we're able to, to live out this lifestyle, there are things that will slow us down and keep us from being first place, getting first place. Now, see, here's the problem is we've made this lifestyle all about if I just run and if I just participate, I'm all good, and that's not good enough. Because there is a prize to obtain. The prize goes to first place. So we have to get first place. I mean, let me go ahead and shoot that down. If, if there's anybody that likes second place, if there's anybody that's okay with just finishing, uh, that's not the lifestyle we're called to live. We're called to finish this thing 
and finish first, which means we have to get rid of all the weights. If there's something that's slowing me down, then I'm getting it off. Any athlete, they may be playing all right, they may be doing all right. Um, you know, I know there's a, a popular baseball player, Josh Hamilton, over uh, for the Texas Rangers, and he started off great in the year. And then July started slowing down this last month and not hitting as well. So what's he doing? He's going back and finding what's the weight? What's the thing that's slowing me down? What's the thing that's dragging me down? He's watching film. Uh, he's checking his batting stance. He's making sure he's seeing the ball. He's getting his mind clear just mentally, just natural things. Why? Because I don't want to just finish. I don't want to get to the end of this year and say, well, you know what? I finished out the year. No, I want, I'm in for a prize. I want first place. I want to win this thing all out. I want to put my best game on the field every time. So he's checking that out. What are the weights? And so we're not in this race just to finish. So we have to get rid of the weights, the things that are keeping us from getting first place. Then there's sins, and sins will get you off God's will and off of God's purpose for your life altogether. Period. And we have to deal with those. So he says, let us lay aside, get rid of the weight, and get rid of the sin. Now here's an issue, and this is pretty much where I'm going to stay for the rest of the night. Because we're, we're going to take several weeks and study this thing out. What does it mean to discipline your life? What are areas that I need to specifically discipline my life? How do I know when I'm ready to go to the next level? Because every athlete, they, they, they didn't, I'll tell you right now, there's no runner out there that was born ready to run as fast as they're running today. That had the ability to run as long as they could today. Uh, Michael Phelps didn't come out of the womb uh, and was just a great swimmer. He might have been a great swimmer up, you know, growing up, but he had to develop himself. I was listening to some stories that he said that his coach would do different things to him. He would uh, show up late to his uh, meets, uh, show up late to his meets on purpose, because he wanted him to know what are you going to do if I'm not there. This is about you. It's not about me. He would break his goggles right before he was going to swim. There's a lot of swimmers. They're able to see the wall and know how close they are. He wanted him to be able to count his strokes and know how long it was going to take him to get from wall to wall. And if anything happened to his goggles, he wasn't going to be able to see. And sure enough, he said there was one time he was swimming and his goggles filled up with water and he had to count his strokes. What is that? That's pressure. And so we'll talk about pressures. We'll talk about how the trials and the tribulations of life make us stronger so we don't push them off. We just push through them. We'll talk about these things, but tonight I, I want to focus on a big issue that keeps a lot of believers from living a disciplined life in the first place. And when I say disciplined life, there's two things that I'm talking about. One, I'm talking about the things that you have to let go of in your life, the weights and the sins. And then the other thing that I'm talking about is the things that we need to add to our life. What are the things I need to be disciplined in? I need to be a disciplined studier of the word. I need to be a disciplined member at church and participating at church. I need to be a disciplined person in communicating and talking with my father and not only praying when things are bad or things are rough or when I really need something. So those are things that we're going to talk about. But tonight, I think one of the biggest things that people have an issue with uh, in, in disciplining themselves is the fact that they just don't think they can do it. 
They just simply don't think, I have the ability to put things down. Before you got saved, you may have had, uh, you may have, may have had an issue cussing. Your mouth, you just had a foul mouth. But we know once you get in the kingdom, that's not part of kingdom lifestyle. That your words now, now need to be encouraging. Your words now need to be sweet. Your words now need to line up with the government you now live in. And so here's the thing that a lot of people have an issue with, and it's just simply sin. And how do I not sin? If I told, if I told you right now, that you could live the rest of your life and never sin again, most people wouldn't believe me. If I said, you right now, you have the ability to never sin for the rest of your life. What is sin anyways? Sin is simply disobedient. Disobedience to God. Disobedience to the king. That's what sin is. Okay? Okay? That's what sin is. So let's just break it down and make it as simple as it is. And so I'm telling you tonight that you could live the rest of your life and never disobey your father again. But people struggle with that. Because here's what they think Jesus did on the cross. They think Jesus took away the penalty of sin. But he didn't do anything about the dominion of sin. See, we all, it's not hard to get Christians to know and to, to believe that Jesus, when he was on the cross, he took away me having to pay for my sins. But now the control that the sin has on my life and causing me to sin I can't do anything about that. And that's a, that's a false doctrine. That's false theology. Because when Jesus took care of sin on the cross, he didn't just take care of the price that had to be paid for sin. He took care of the sin altogether. Whatever it is. So let's look at a few verses. Romans chapter 5. I'm going to show you how. I'm going to show you tonight how we can live that life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, this right here, it should be, I mean, if I ask most people, hey, quote John 3.16 for me, no problem. But now if I said, quote Romans 5.17, probably wouldn't even know where to begin. But I'm going to tell you right now that this verse, it needs to be right there with John 3.16. What is he saying in this verse? Let's look at it. For if by the one man's offense, death reigned. What does reign mean? Let's just break it down. This is Wednesday night Bible study. You're here to learn. You're here to open up our minds a little bit and let's take it in. So if, if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Reign simply means to have power or control over. It's the word rule. I rule over you. If, if, if I rule over you, that means I dictate your life. 
I control your life. I have dominion and authority and power over you. So he's saying if by one man's offense, whose offense? Adam's. When Adam sinned, death came in and reign took over control through the one. But look what the rest of it says. Much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will what? Reign. He's saying you will reign. You will have control. You will have authority. Now we know we've been preaching kingdom for a while that we know that we've been given that authority and that power by Jesus himself to reign and rule in life. But that doesn't just mean whatever we think we have control over. You rule and reign over everything, including sin. You now have control over sin. Sin no longer has control over you. It's no longer a part of your nature. So to reign in life means that we have control, authority, dominion. We have been given that rule. Now how? That's the first question. Remember, we got to ask who, what, when, where, why, how. How do I reign in life? Look what it says right before that. Those who receive abundance of grace. Now this has become a, a very misinterpreted topic in our day and age. Um, in fact, there was a poll that went out not too long ago. And 5,000 Christians were asked, how would you define grace? 5,000 Christians. 98%. I'm telling you right now, just because the majority says something doesn't mean that's the way it is. Let's just go ahead and get that in our minds now. A lot of times we just side with the majority. Well, if everybody thinks it. I'm telling you right now, the only thing I want to side with in life is the Word of God. 98% of people defined grace as salvation forgiveness, unmerited favor. How, how many of you have ever heard that, unmerited favor? means it is favor on my life, and it, it's a forgiveness of my sins even though I didn't deserve it. And although those are very true, that's not the definition of grace. The other 2% define grace as a power or as an empowerment. But look at this, look at this verse. Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. What is Paul saying? He's saying you have received a power to reign in life. In fact, if you'll go through the scripture, look at uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 14. Romans chapter 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you are not under the law, but under grace. And we've had way too many Christians define grace as a license to sin. Meaning, it doesn't matter what I do, 
God already loves me. Jesus has already died for me. So I don't have to be concerned with the sin. I, I don't have control of it over it. There's nothing I can do about it, but God loves me anyways. That's where a lot of believers are today. I mean, I dare you to go on, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever and say, I have the ability to never sin for the rest of my life and see what kind of response you get. From Christians. From people who call themselves believers. From people who have confessed Jesus as their Lord. Who are still doing the stuff they did before they got saved because they don't believe they have any power or authority over that junk in to do anything with it. But at least Jesus died on the cross for my sins and has given me access to heaven. Let me tell you what Jesus did on the cross. He took care of the price. You don't have to go to hell for your sins. But he also gave you the ability to live apart from those sins. He also gave us the ability, according to that verse, that sin does not have dominion, does not have control, does not have authority over our lives any longer. Why? You are not under the law, but under grace. So this is what grace is. Grace is the power and the ability to do what you cannot do on your own. See, it's not what I did that gives me the ability to not have to live oppressed by sin any longer. How many of you have ever heard, um, I'm, a, I'm a sinner saved by grace? That doesn't even make sense if we understand the true definition of grace. Because the proper way to say that would be, I was a sinner. I have been saved by grace through faith. Now I'm a believer in the word. And that's how I live according to these standards, not according to what sin has any control over me any longer. That would be the proper way to say it. To, 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 to call yourself a sinner saved by grace. That's probably one of the most disgracing, disgusting things that I hate to hear a believer say. Because it doesn't even make any sense. And it, 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 what Jesus did on the cross, you're saying, wasn't good enough to take care of your sins. He, he only took care of the penalty. But not the dominion. Well, then Romans chapter 6, verse 14, you'd have a hard time explaining that. That verse very clearly says, Dominion no longer has control, or, or, or sin no longer has control. And we've been looking at that word dominion for a long time. That word dominion showed up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God told Adam and Eve, you will have dominion on the earth. He's saying, you will control it. You call the shots. You dictate. Romans 6 verse 14 says, Now that you are saved by grace, you are now have been given the power and the ability to not live under the oppression of sin any longer. That sin doesn't dictate your shots anymore. See, now, who's my Lord? Jesus. So I do what he tells me to do. 
I do what he wants me to do. Sin still has a desire for me. Sin still wants to, to, to try to get me outside of God's will and God's purpose. So this is the first step in understanding a disciplined life. The, most, the, the biggest reason why believers are not living a disciplined life and, and being able to put down things in their life they know they're not supposed to do is because they don't even think they have control over it in the first place. So we have resorted to let me just do as much good as I can. Let me just try to read my Bible as much as possible. Let me just try to do what I can on the earth until one day I get redeemed from this body, get redeemed from this sin, and go to heaven. I'm telling you right now, Jesus has already paid the price and has already made the way for us to live separate from sin's control in this life. We do not have to wait to go to heaven for that to happen. So if we can get that obstacle out of the way, we can live a disciplined life. I mean, that would be like telling, uh, be like telling someone who wants to participate in the Olympics that you will never be able to run that fast. You'll never be able to swim that far. You'll never be able to jump that high. If they were told that, then why would they enter the contest in the first place? But no, we're in a contest. We are in a race to run and to obtain a goal. And you have the ability to do it. That's what I'm telling you tonight. Is that sin no longer has that control over us. Because through grace we reign. So what is grace? Let me say it one more time. Because we've got to get this to sink in. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to go back over this. Because you will find yourself reverting back to what you thought grace was before. Grace is not a band-aid that covers things up. Grace got rid of it and then empowered you to never fall again. We have to get that through our heads. I'm not saying that we will never fall again. That's up to you. See, grace is, or, or sin is only your responsibility. Any of those athletes, if they don't, if they don't make the time, if they don't make the cut, they can't go to their coaches and say, "What happened? You were supposed to get me there." No, it's ultimately up to who, the athlete, the person. So we have to understand that this sin thing has been taken care of completely. Jesus took care of the penalty for it, but he also took care of its control over our lives. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Why? That we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and godly fear. Paul 
or, or the writer of Hebrews here in this instance, he's saying you cannot even live the kingdom life without grace. You can't even live the lifestyle of the kingdom without grace. Why? Because grace is what empowers you to live that life. Grace is what empowers the believer to live the life of the kingdom. Now here is what happens when you don't have grace. Without grace, without grace, you, have, you are limited to your own ability. Without grace, we are limited to our own ability. See, grace is doing it with God's help. There's no athlete, there's no athlete out there right now that's doing everything on their own. They are surrounded with dietitians, nutritionists, trainers, workout partners. They're not doing that thing by themselves. Without grace, you are limited to running the race by yourself. Without grace, you are using your own ability. I'm going to tell you right now, your own ability will never get it done. But thank God we have His grace. That's why I'm so thankful for God's grace. See, when, when you hear some people say, you know, I thank God for His grace, what they're really saying is, I thank God that even though I blew it last night, uh, He still loves me. But I thank God for grace because I had the opportunity to blow it last night and I did it because His grace empowered me to put it down. That's the level we have to get to. That's how you run your race. Now, I'll tell you right now, and for anyone that listens to this, any, I don't care if you, if you hear this tomorrow or if you hear it 100 years from now. This is not a condemning message. We don't even know the difference between condemnation and conviction any longer. This isn't a message to say if you're sinning, then you're blowing it and you're not allowing grace to operate in your life. It's not what this is about. This isn't a time to reflect on all the times we've blown it and think about how we screwed up earlier today and how we, you know, messed up over the weekend and how, you know, that's not what this is about. This is about realizing that there is something within us that will empower us to live a disciplined life and put down the things that we know we're supposed to be putting down in our lives. Grace is what gives you the ability to turn the TV off when you know something's on that you shouldn't be watching. Grace is what gives you the ability to walk in love with somebody even though they're not responding the way that they should be to you. Grace is what gives you the ability to turn the computer off and not look at stuff that we shouldn't be looking at. Grace is what gives us the ability to not enter into an argument with our spouses when we shouldn't be. That's what grace does. Grace has empowered you. It's not, well, I don't have any control over it, so I'm going to go ahead and sin, but I know that God, God's grace will cover it. Paul mentioned that in Romans chapter 6, the very first verse, right after uh, he talked about grace empowering you to reign in life. 6 verse 1, he blows up and he says, So are we just supposed to sin so that grace can abound? 
And he said, may it never be. And see, we've, all, we've, we've been using this grace thing as, well, no matter what I do wrong, God still loves me and he's going to cover up my sin. When grace is the ability and the empowerment to put the sin down so we can run a disciplined life before him. That's why he said, since we're receiving a kingdom. See, we've received a kingdom. We are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But it has standards. It has rules. Let me define discipline for you. The word discipline means training to act in accordance to rules. Training to act in accordance to rules. I'll tell you right now, every athlete that's playing a sport right now, football, baseball, basketball, if they're in the Olympics, they did not train to learn how to break the rules. They trained to learn how to follow the set standards and principles for the sport that they're in. There's no basketball player out there that's training right now on a basketball court that has no out of bounds so you can just run around wherever you want. There's no baseball player out there right now that's training that when you hit a when you uh, hit the ball that you can just run to third base and then go home and you get a you get a home run. No, they are training to play by the rules. The baseball player is learning. I need to learn to hit the ball out of the park because I have to go to first, second, third, and then come home. I can't skip bases. So it is a training. This discipline we're talking about over these next several weeks. This is training to learn how to operate according to set standards, procedures, and principles that are in the kingdom of God. And there's a disciplined lifestyle that goes with that. It also means an activity that improves a skill. An activity that improves a skill. Look, we all want to go to the next level. There is no athlete, I don't care how old they are, that doesn't do some form of training. Why? Because there's a goal in mind. They're not just doing it to do it. I mean, there are baseball players right now that they should have retired already, but they haven't obtained the prize. They haven't gone to the World Series. They haven't played in the playoffs. There's something that's still lingering. There's no baseball player that goes out on the field and enjoys the training and the practice and everything that's involved with the sport just for fun. It is all fun, but in the end, there's a goal that they want to obtain. And if they don't get that, there's not a full satisfaction there. And so that's why this discipline is here. I don't know about you, but I can be a better Christian tomorrow than I was today. I can be a better Christian in five years than I am today. I can be a better citizen in the kingdom of God ten years from now than I am today. So we have to identify. We need to examine our lives and look at this. We need to examine our lives and find out what are the weights, what are the sins that are holding us back, what are those hindrances. I said earlier that we need to be winners, not just participators. I'll tell you right now, trying is for losers. 
If you're just in this thing to try it out, then you will lose. You can ask any, any athlete out there. If they are trying this thing out, if they're just participating, well, you know, I just want to have some fun, I'm bored, you know, I just want to get really good at a sport and, you know, just play it. I don't care if we win. I don't care, you know, if, if I ever get a, a World Series ring. I don't care if, we get, if we're Super Bowl champions. You know, I don't really care if I get gold. You know, I, I don't even know if I care that I get bronze. I, I just want to do it for fun. There's no athlete that will give you that response. If they are, if you do find one, he's not very good. He or she is not very good at what they do if you're just doing it with no reasoning and no real goal or prize in the end. They're all looking for a prize. Now, here's the last point I want to make. And it's the perspective. Here's, Here's another thing about athletes. And a lot of times we have made the necessary adjustments or the byproducts of obtaining the prize the goal. For example, there's no baseball player in spring training. If you went and asked them, hey, why are you playing ball this year? What, what's your goal? None of them would say, you know, I just, I just really want to get in shape. I just, you know, I just really want to get fit, you know. I just want to eat healthier, you know, and I think that if I play baseball and play a whole season and do all this training and do all these practices, you know, I think I'll come out in the end, you know, and, and I think I'll be healthier. I think I'll eat right, you know. I want a leaner, leaner body. That's my goal. There's no Olympian right now that's been practicing all the years that they've been practicing and training and preparing for these Summer Olympics in London right now just so they can have a better physique. You know, I just wanted to get myself in a, in a better diet program. I just wanted to, to eat better, you know. I, I wanted to work out more. And so I thought, you know what, let's, let's go to London. Let's try to get in the Olympics because I'm sure that that's not their goal. Now, guess what? Those are byproducts. I promise you right now that there are Olympians eating, a, they're eating pretty good. They're training pretty good. They've probably got pretty good-looking bodies, and they're probably pretty fit. But that wasn't the goal. And see, here's what we've done believers, as believers. We've made our goal is to not sin. And that's not our goal. We, we wake up in the morning and say, all right, today, you know, I'm really going to try to put that thing down. That, that Whatever that one thing is, I, I, really, I, I just don't want to give in to that today. And so we've made that our goal. Or maybe we've made our goal, you know what, I, I want to read my Bible more. And that's a good goal. But I'm going to tell you right now, it shouldn't be the goal. Well, you know, I, I really think I just need to, need to do better about praying and, and talking to God and, and really developing that relationship. So that's my goal. That shouldn't be your goal. Our goal in life should be to live the kingdom lifestyle and bring the kingdom of God to the earth. That should be every believer's goal. When that's your goal, when you realize that your purpose is centered 
and we're getting ready to blow purpose open. When we get there, uh, I, I don't even know if I could build the expectancy you need to come with those messages. If there is anybody that is struggling with their purpose, why am I here, what am I doing, what am I supposed to be doing, uh, what am I supposed to be saying to people, who am I supposed to be talking to, do I, am I supposed to have a job, am I not supposed to have a job, we're going to answer so many questions, it's not even funny. But when you realize your purpose, see, Jesus knew in Luke, he said, my purpose is to come and preach the kingdom of God. And so when he understood his purpose and he understood his goal in life, his goal wasn't to heal multitudes. His goal wasn't to, uh, uh, you know, train up disciples. His goal wasn't to talk to God a lot. His goal wasn't to walk with God closely. His goal wasn't even the cross. His goal was, I want to do my Father's will. When that is your goal in life, is to do the Father's will, is to advance the kingdom in the earth, is to bring the kingdom to heaven, then guess what? You won't sin. You'll be reading your Bible. You'll be praying. You'll be going to church and participating in church. You'll be witnessing to your friends and to your family. You'll be walking in love to people. You won't be looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at. You won't be talking the way you're not supposed to be. See, all that will follow and fall in line with your purpose and your goal. See, right now, these athletes that are out there, they're trying to obtain a goal. And there are things that are happening in their lives that are happening because they're chasing after a goal. I want the gold medal. So if that means getting up early and working out, then I'm going to do it. If that means not eating certain things, then I'm going to do it. If that means uh, sacrificing time with friends and family, then I'm going to do it. Why? Because it's centered around the goal. Their goal wasn't to eat better. Their goal isn't to work out more. Their goal isn't to run faster. Their goal isn't to jump higher. Their goal isn't to throw the ball farther. It's to get the prize in the end, and all those things will add up and take place. So we got to change our goals. I'm telling you right now, if you are going into life just trying not to sin every day or trying to do one less bad thing today than you did yesterday, you will never achieve that goal. But if you line up your life and make your goal about advancing the kingdom of God and doing the will of the Father in your life, then you're not going to do those things, and you're going to find yourself doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. You'll find the weights fall off. You'll find the, 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 the sins go away. Because you know what? I, I, I can't do that. I'll be forfeiting the will of God in my life. I can't do that. It's going to slow me down and it's going to keep me from pressing on towards the mark. I, I, I can't do that. I, I have to buffet my body. And that's why Paul said, I, I'm very focused. I'm very pointed. I'm running this thing. He said those runners, they run temperately. Temperately means with self-control, meaning they are putting their own will aside to achieve the goal and the purpose for what they're running for. Every athlete has a goal in mind. 
If they're a baseball player, they're wanting the World Series. If they're a, a football player, it's the Super Bowl. If they're a basketball player, it's to get to the finals and get that trophy. If it's the Olympians, it's gold. And that's what we have to do. We can learn a lot from these athletes. I mean, if you went and talked to some of these athletes and you asked them, what have you been doing the last four years to get that gold? Boy, I'll tell you what. You just saw the video. Skip a day, then I haven't missed a morning. There's a life of discipline that we have to obtain to. I mean, since, since getting in this thing, I mean, you're just, I just find myself asking, what else can I do? And there's more I can do. <coughs> there's less time I can spend watching TV. There's, I can get up earlier in the morning. I, I can read the Bible more. I can pray more. There's so much that you just begin to look inside and you say, you know what? And, and, and as soon as I get to a point in my life where I'm comfortable, then that's where I want to, all right, what's next? And you do it in levels. You don't just start out, you know, waking up. I mean, if you've never woken up early to do anything, you don't just start out wake, waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You get there. You work yourself to it. I mean, I remember when I was, you know, down in St. Augustine, we were praying, you know, Saturday mornings on 7 o'clock. And for the first little while, that was the roughest for me. Get up on a Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, walk on the beach and pray. But then I eventually found myself Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every week getting up, going to the church office at 4 o'clock in the morning. Why? I just wanted to do it because there was another level I knew I could get to. I knew that there was more. I knew, you know what? I could get up earlier. I'm not telling anybody to get up and, and do that. I don't do that now. I've, I've got a wife and a kid. I was single. That was completely different life. You make adjustments, but there is always something more we can do because we're running for a prize. We're running to obtain something. We have not achieved the goal just because we got in the kingdom. Now we need to use the kingdom to bring the kingdom to the earth. Use the power and the ability. Quit telling yourself that I just can't help but sin. Quit telling yourself I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Because you know what sinners do? They sin. Dogs bark. Cats meow. Sinners sin. You're not a sinner anymore. Well, I sinned yesterday. I can bark like a dog. That doesn't make me a dog. We've got to get this mentality in our head. Just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. Let's start focusing on who we are and let's start looking at grace. I'll tell you what, if, if you go through the Bible and just look up every time the word grace is in there and change it to an empowerment to do something I could not naturally do, the whole Bible will open up to you. The whole New Testament will just open wide open. It will change you. Instead of just looking at grace like a big old band-aid that just covers all my sins until I sin again, and then i got to put another one on. No, it is the ability to say, 
no, I'm not going to do it. And God's love is there. And He does care. And He does want us to fulfill our purpose. But He doesn't want His people trampled under oppression. Let me show you what most, be- most believers look like. I'll close with this. A lot of believers look like the Israelites when they came out of slavery. And they came out of slavery naturally. But they never came out mentally. Those Israelites wandered in that wilderness for 40 years because a mentality that had been ingrained in them for 480 years showed up and stuck with them until they died in the wilderness. You won't obtain the prize. They did not get to the promised land. You won't get to where God wants you to go if we don't change that mentality. You were in bondage to sin. You have been set free by the grace of God and empowered to never have to go back to that again. I mean, how lame would that be if Jesus just came, died on the cross, and took away us having to pray the price for sin, but we still could, you know, had to sin for the rest of our lives? Nobody likes to sin. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Every believer, nobody likes to sin. The Bible says it's only pleasurable for a moment, which means at some point you are even going to get sick of sinning. So we got to understand that this disciplined lifestyle, it's all yours for the taking. It is ours to grab a hold of. And we don't have to give into that. And then knowing that we can put that stuff down, now we can start doing the things in our lives that are going to be beneficial to us. Now we can start doing the things in our lives, start adding the things. But every athlete, there's something they're putting away. I'll tell you right now. I promise you that some athletes, they have strained relationships maybe with family members, maybe with some of their closest friends. Why? Because anything that comes against my goal, I'm putting it out. Oh, you just want to go party? Sorry, i got to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go train. I can't do that. I can't eat that kind of food. I, I can't drink that. I can't just spend time doing that. I I have a goal in mind. I'm focused. I'm trying to attain a prize. And thank God for those that have friends and families that push them towards that. But when it comes down to it, if they're not pushing your purpose, then they're against your purpose. Period. We got to be, these are things we have to evaluate. These are sacrifices that get made. Look, the, the Christian life is not for weak people, I'm telling you. Not for weak people. And so we're going to learn what this disciplined life is. And, and, and the great thing about it is that the champion is inside every individual. I'm not just talking to a few people. I'm talking to every believer. It's in there. Will you pull it out? Will you be disciplined to see that champion come out and be a winner and be able to hold the medal and the prize in the end? That's what we're talking about. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. 
And Father, we're so thankful for your grace, for your, the, the ability and the empowerment that you have given us to not live in bondage to sin, to not live in oppression to sin. No longer will we go through life uh, just putting up with the things that we've been dealing with, with those old habits and those uh, old things that have been haunting us since before we were saved. But Father, we put them down. The thoughts, we put them down because you have given us control. You have given us authority. You have given us power. You have called us to rule and reign in life through your son, Jesus Christ. And so I thank you right now that we take that to heart. We begin to, to change our mindset, that we repent for uh, not thinking this way and not seeing the word this way and, and seeing the, the life and the empowerment that you have given us. And we're excited about being able to move forward in this life, excited about being able to discipline ourselves, run our race, and that we will obtain the prize that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well